Welcome to Jam4 Tactical, where the after hours where the doors are locked and the guns are cocked. <laughs> you like that, don't you? It's a good slogan. <laughs> I know. They're letting us just now start this podcast, so um, it's because I kind of get a little political. Yeah. Um, especially if you follow me on TikTok, I get really political on TikTok, so um, the company's not trying to censor me because it's my company, but I still have to watch some of the things I say. Uh, it sounds like I'm in the right place if you get political. Yeah, I, I do. I, I get really political. So I want you to, uh, our guest is going to be Phil Crowley. Um, he's running for Taylor County judge. And I know a lot of our listeners out there or outside of Taylor County, but he is right here in my hometown, my home county, and that's Taylor County. Yes, sir. That's right, Chad. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So tell me a little bit about why you wanted to run for county judge. Well, this is my home. I was uh, born at Dias and uh, raised here in Abilene, and I'm currently a felony prosecutor at the DA's office okay. uh, at uh, Taylor County. And one big reason I ran is uh, two-thirds of that court's time is actual, actually spent on actual court cases. So you got probate, uh, guardianships, some juvenile law, mental hospital commitments. So you got actual freedom and liberty at stake or property rights at stake. And uh, sometimes, though, it's also versus society's interest in safety with the mental health commitments and guardianships and juvenile law. And so I think you need a lawyer in there who can balance uh, rights versus safety. And, you know, that's something I do every day as a prosecutor. Um, so that's a big reason. And uh, another reason is public safety. Um, I want to see some more deputies on the streets, see uh, ambulance service um, kind of expanded throughout the county, uh, and also give some more money to volunteer fire departments. And uh, something I'm proud of is APD's Officers Pack has endorsed me. The Abilene Professional Firefighters Pack has endorsed me. The Sheriff's Officers Association is supporting me. And uh, also Texas Right to Life's Pack has uh, endorsed me. So okay. things I'm proud of for sure. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, my son's actually a, a firefighter out in, in um, Big Springs, but he also works um, part-time here for the um, ambulance service. And then he's mm. also... Um, does volunteer fire department here in Taylor County. And he, he talked about you and he told me that you come out there and talk to them all the time yeah. and that you're really involved in the things that they do, which I appreciate because I mean, that's my kid. So Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. you, you seen him when we walked in, of course, he's, um, um, he, he's talked a lot about you and, and said some really good things about you. So one of the things that I know during the COVID and I'm going to ask you straight out during the COVID mandates, Downing yeah. Bowles was our, he was our County judge. Right. He did some things that a lot of people in this area did not agree with. Um, if I recall correctly, it had to do with the masks mandates and some things like that. If I'm, if I recall, am I recalling this correctly? Well, th there was, you know, I, I don't know what people, you know, liked or didn't like, but there was some, uh, um, some mandates that were um, followed or, or put in, mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 of course, aren't here to uh, grade anyone's homework. No, no, we don't want to grade anybody's homework. What I'm asking you is what would you do different in that situation if you have, you know, that, that kind of situation? Yeah, so um, one thing I will say, I don't know if uh, Governor Abbott's um, executive order is really the law. I, I don't know if that's proper law, but it's basically de facto law. Mm -hmm. um, and at least at this point, he's, uh, you know, I feel like doing the right things. And so one thing I will say, as long as, you know, Abbott's in, in office or whoever's in office that they have an executive order like that, we're going to follow follow that because it's de facto okay. law. But say it's ever pulled or restricted and it's up to us, uh, well, I don't believe that the mask is really effective against especially this variant of, uh, of COVID. I think the numbers uh, prove that. 
And so I'm not in favor of that. I'm uh, never, ever going to be in favor of any kind of uh, business shutdown. I think every job is essential and you can't turn a pandemic into a depression. And that's and that's what you do when you start shutting down businesses. Uh, And also something I'm never going to be for is a vaccine mandate for county employees, because we're talking about people who worked all throughout COVID without a shot. You know, so we're not going to tell them now, well, you have to get a shot to, you know, keep your job. Um, but w- one thing I do want your listeners to know, it's just about overall philosophy. Um, I don't think, and again, I'm not grading anyone's homework, but yes. I'm just saying myself, I don't know if that should uh, be up to the county judge, him or herself, um, even if they had that power. What I think should happen is that there should be a hearing where anyone in Taylor County who has an interest wants to come in and talk. And then we have a five-person vote, myself and the commissioners um, would vote on it. And of course, I would vote against a mass mandate. I would vote against uh, any kind of shutdowns. I'd vote against a, a shop mandate. And I think the commissioners would too. I think it'd be 5-0. But it goes to the broader point in that I believe in limited executive power. Well, we have a very important governor race coming up. I mean, there, there's going to be some things, and I'm hoping that if they put you know, it back on the counties to decide that, that you're going to do the best job for the citizens here. Um, you're, you're correct. There's no reason to, and I'll be honest with you, we never shut down. Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to kill a business over fear. And what happened with us is we actually shut down two weeks prior to the governor's mandate. Mm. So because we ship all over the world, we ship all over the country. Um, and that's when right before it really started getting into the U.S., it started. Um, we didn't know how long it lasted on cardboard, how long it lasted on plastic, how long, long it lasted on wood or any any surface. So we didn't want people inside the store touching things and then us shipping it to another country or shipping it to another state. So we decided to shut down the storefront. Mm. And that's exactly what we did about two weeks prior to that. Well, then the day before the governor's mandate, ship station, which is what everybody uses to ship overseas, shut all U.S. companies down from shipping overseas, but didn't shut any countries Mm. down for shipping into the U.S., but it's still not here yet, really. Right, right. So I figured it was a political stunt. We turned our open side back on and started filling our classes. And I'm not going to, I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you we stood up against that because we had employees that depended on us to make the right business decisions so they could keep their job. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think, you know, it's been, gosh, it's been two years now, but I think the only order that Judge Bowles may have put in place was in regards to maybe bars at just a small mm-hmm. amount of time. And that was under Abbott's kind of leeway that he gave counties. I think everything else that happened, whether in Abilene or in the county, was from Abbott. But of course, yeah. it's been it's been two years. So. And that's what I'm saying. I just remember there's there, he did something that made a lot of the community mad. I just couldn't remember what exactly what it was. That's why I really want to speak too much on it. Yeah. But I knew it had to do something with COVID and the masks. Or, there was something there that, that a lot of the community got pretty upset over. And I, I can understand, especially the business owners, um, because that's the way we pay for our kids to be in Little mm-hmm. League. And that's yeah. the way our employees pay for their kids' dance lessons and, yeah. you know, or, or whatever the situation is for our, our, our employees. And our employees love working for us because we treat them good, we treat them well, and we, we treat them fairly. And that's, as a business owner, it's what we should do. So what are your plans for Taylor County? I mean, are you? what are your plans? 
Well, um, you know, the, the first one would be, like I said, just to look at emergency services and see if we can get some more funding for those. One thing that's good is, you know, Taylor County, just because it's a great place to live, work, raise a family, I think the best on the planet, um, it's growing. And so in 2022, in that budget, we had a million, $1.1 million in new revenue, not from taxes, just from new businesses and new homes being built. And so we can use that revenue to uh, help out emergency services. So that's priority number one. I'm also interested in uh, employee retention. Um, you know, we get to the point where we're, we're trying to bring salaries up for the jail and for deputies, mm-hmm. which is good because we got to compete. Um, so that, that's good. But the problem is um, at that point, then you start having people who are just starting out making almost as much as people who have been there five years or more. And so I'm interested in trying to get um, some raises to deputies and jailers, juvenile probation officers, adult probation officers, and other people around the county who've been here a long time um, who could go elsewhere elsewhere with their skills. But, of course, we want to keep them at that point. They're, yes. they're always an asset to us, but they're a huge asset to us once they've been on a job five years or more. And I'll be honest, there's also some, some clerk positions that, yeah, it's Monday through Friday. Yeah, it's 8 to 5. You have insurance and holidays off, but they still make very, very, very little. And I'm interested in um, you know bringing those salaries up as well because it's hard to serve the citizens of Terra County if you're worried about paying your bills you know, and supporting your family. Um, but that being said, I, I want the taxpayers to know, you know, I'm a taxpayer myself, and I know with the economy and inflation, things are starting to hurt um, oh, yeah. again. And I hear about property tax bills, you know, every day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that'll increase if I get elected. You know, the county right now is only about 14% of your property tax bill. But I know that's cold comfort. If you got a high bill, you don't care whose fault it is. We're not fault. You don't, you don't care whose taxes are high. You just want it lower. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is I'm going to keep my eye on, um, you know, inflation and the property tax rate um, because we need to, you know, expand services and take care of employees, but that can't be on the back of uh, taxpayers. So, Oh, I know that, like, I'll give you an instance, you know, the house next door to me, I, my house is about the same square footage and everything's pretty much the same, you know, and I bought my house three years ago for two ninety five. dollars Yeah. The house next door to me sold for $425,000 this yeah. week. And I'm sitting here going, there goes my taxes. <laughs> I'm going over you for real. I mean, it's good, but not. it's not, you know. And sure enough, our, our taxes are going to go up. And I see that because now our house is valued. Of course, now we have more equity in our house, but sure. it's still valued. And that's more money coming out of my pocket. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I would encourage your um, your listeners to do if they got any questions about that, uh, I met with Gary Ernest over at CAD, and there's a lot of things that are built in taxpayer protection-wise. Um, you know, there's a process you can go through if you don't, uh, an arbitration, uh, or not really an arbitration, but a board process you can go through, and that board's independent of CAD. Um, if you don't, you know, like your, if you don't agree with your assessment, mm-hmm. you can always go to court. And these are things CAD will tell you. I mean, they're they're in the law. And so, you know, one thing I would just tell people is that, you know, if if you are concerned, you know, go to CAD, ask questions. Uh, you have rights. And I truly felt like CAD is they try to be as fair as uh, possible. They're just trying to, you know, do their job. I mean, governments unnecessarily or unfortunately just need revenue to pay for things we want. Oh, yes. um, so they got a job to do. But they, I think. The impression I got is they try to be really fair and there's rights built in for taxpayers. So, And, and I've heard something about that. You could actually dispute your you know, your taxes and they'll actually come out and pray, or look through the house and they'll actually appraise it and, as an individual. And I've, I've seen, I've heard some stuff about that. I mean, our taxes didn't go up that much, um, but that was, they went up a little bit, I think $500 a year, which is kind of quite a bit. Yeah. But um, 
560, but then you're going to pull into um, next year. Mm-hmm. What are they going to be? Because this house next door to me <laughs> sold for her, you know, sure. I mean, how much more am I going to be paying in, you know, next year? It's almost, I told my wife, I just, how to just sell it and move into a RV park. <laughs> <laughs> and those are those are just getting exploding in popularity around the country. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, people are about cashing out on their houses. Yeah. I mean, just move out. That's what my neighbors did. Oh, wow. I mean, they bought this huge travel trailer and they're they're moving to a campground and they're going to build a barn and menu. <laughs> Living a dream. <laughs> I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, but then they got a whole bunch of cash in their pocket. <laughs> well, you know, in people from California, I mean, you know this, they are just making the markets in Nevada and Idaho explode. You know, you say mm-hmm. you sell your house in California for its average house for a million bucks. I mean, you can go to, you know, Idaho or Nevada mm-hmm. and just buy whatever you want and still pay cash and have money left over, you know. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people are coming to Texas and other conservative states uh, because of, you know, the free market. And we, we got a good, good economy. But, uh, you know, we still kind of pay for the effects of what California is doing with the, a uh, rising market and rising cost of living. So, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And we we I've, I've been really big on this about staying red, stay red, stay red. I don't want California bringing their politics here and changing yeah. the things that we do because I don't want to end up like them. Sure. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, Back when the housing market crashed many years ago in California, a friend of mine, he bought his house for I think six or seven hundred thousand, which was pretty cheap back then, and it was probably smaller than the house I have now, or about the same size. But when the housing market crashed, his house was only worth like three hundred fifty. Yeah. And when I went out to see him, his whole neighborhood was empty. Wow. It was a ghost. Wow. I mean, like he, him, and one other guy were the only people that lived like within three block radius of oh, wow. all them houses were empty grasses were grass was growing up and i was like this is, is the neighborhood you live in i mean these are all these nice houses just sitting here well people got so upside down on them they just walked away mm. i mean when you're you're and he him he paid cash for his house because he got a huge settlement so it really didn't matter to him because i mean he wasn't three four five hundred thousand dollars upside down he was just i mean he paid for his cash well, now he hung it out long enough that now it's back up over way over value. <laughs> yeah. But th- this was, I think, was in 04 or wow. 05 when that happened. Um, but now, I mean, of course, his house is worth a lot of a lot of money because he held on to it. But I couldn't see, like, you know, if the housing market did crash here in Texas, the people paying four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars for these houses, they drive the prices up. I just don't want to end up like them. Yeah, you know, I... Uh um, you're talking about keeping Texas red and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Florida has become just even more red from all the uh, people from the Northeast moving down, Republicans. Yes. And, you know, something I'm encouraged by, I meet a lot of people from, you know, come here from California and Texas, just in Ontario County. And everyone I meet seems like a political refugee. You know, they, they, do. they fled California they do. Uh, for a reason, you know, and so they're interested, I think, in, uh, you know, why we're Texas. And something a lot of people don't realize is, Beto in 2018 won native Texans, I think 50, 51-48, whereas Cruz won transplants 55-45. So it does seem like the majority of people who are coming to Texas are um, coming here to vote red. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, get, I don't want to get started on Be- Be- or Beto, what he did out there, but there's a lot of people out in El Paso do not like him. Mm. And it's what he did to his community out there when he pretty much sold them under the bus, and that was um, selling pretty much 
pennies on the dollar for their houses so they could build them uh, stadiums and stuff out there for his um, father-in-law hmm. that was a big you know his father-in-law was a big developer um, but one of those houses or two of those women out there are still inf- tied up in federal court over that because I mean they were only going to give her like 75000 for her house oh wow and that was ridiculous I mean it, they, were, they were pushing these people out of their homes and you can actually go and research that and I did some videos over that I can't I can't remember the name of the neighborhood, but there's people, there's a lot of people from El Paso that aren't fond of him because of that, because he wasn't taking care of the community. Interesting. And yeah, go, go research that. It was very interesting. And whenever I do like videos and stuff over him, um, like when a couple of times when I did those videos, there was a lot of people from El Paso said, we can't stand him. Wow. Well, they're probably tired of Beto breaking their counters. I mean, every yeah. time he sees a counter, he's got to jump on it and talk on it. So <laughs> they probably got a lot of busted counters out in El Paso. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Well, I know that um, you've been really doing a lot of footwork. I mean, you've I've seen you standing out here. Yeah, I think it was this morning. <laughs> uh, I drove by and I seen you out there with your, stand, your sign. That's right. You, you've been campaigning, and I've seen you at all the campaign deals. And, and I met you actually when we went to Chad Prather's. Um, Chad Prather's a really good guy, and we we support him 100%. But he was um, – that's when I think the first time I met you. Yeah, that Republican Party meeting y'all yes. uh, you went to where Chad was talking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I met you a couple times after that, and we've had some conversations. But um, it's definitely – you have been putting in the footwork, and that's what's been awesome is putting in the footwork, and that shows that you really want the job, that you're going to take pride in the job and that you're doing it for a reason, you know, and that I really believe that if a candidate that gets out there and pushes himself and, and, and does footwork is great because that means you're really wanting this job. You're really wanting to do something for the job instead of just sitting around sending out mailers and putting ads on TV. Now you're doing a lot of footwork. I'm, that's what I like about Chad so much is he's done so much footwork, but you mm-hmm. don't see one TV ad on him. Yeah, you know, uh, I uh, <laughs> I actually cut cable uh, a couple years ago, so I, I haven't seen any of the ads. It's my understanding I got some ads up, you know, that we paid for. But, but you've been yeah. doing a lot of footwork, I have, though. You've yeah. been doing a lot of footwork around Taylor County. Yeah. And- yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I've been block walking. I've been going to two to five events a week. And, you know, one thing I want people to understand, you know, I, I've been pushing the message about being a lawyer because that's important. And, and we're yes. talking about a judgeship, of course. Um, but, you know, what, I'm, what I want people to understand is, you know, I grew up lower to middle class and, uh, you know, I worked. I've been working since I was 15. I worked 40, 50, sometimes 60 hours a week during college. I worked during law school. Um, you know, I, I worked when I was in private practice for a year and a half, worked over 40 hours a week at the DA's office. I'm used to doing that. In trial, you work 60 hours a week. And so, yeah, you know, what, what I want people to understand is I've been pushing this message, but I wasn't born on third base with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know, I'm a hard worker. And I tried to show that during the campaign by going around the county. And it seems like you've noticed and I hope other people yeah. have, too. Oh, yeah, I definitely noticed that. My son even said something whenever we were driving by. I was taking him to his dentist appointment on um, Buffalo Gap Road this morning. <laughs> and he even said something. Something. He, he pointed because, of course, my son, he's he's big in the politics. Yeah. Uh, you you got a chance to meet him at Prather's. I mean, he's like really big. I mean, his TikTok is Texas conservative kid. <laughs> nice. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't go wrong with that one. Um, but he, he's really big. In it, but he's, he's one pointed out. He said, look, Dad. I was like, see, that's what you have to do. Because he his goal 
is he wants to be a Texas senator. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he is, like, dead set. He wants to run for, politi- uh, for politics. He wants to be a politician. And he wants to do, you know, ride for, for Texas. And yeah. he's been really big on that since pretty much ever since I remember. Yeah. I mean, he's very smart, very educated. But um, so he loves listening to politicians. He, he loves listening to people that run for political office and, and things like that. In fact, I mean, he, he about fell over when Chad Prather called him and told him happy birthday. I mean, he was like, I mean, just like the beat red, like he didn't know what to say. We were sitting in the car and Chad called to tell him happy birthday. He's just sitting there going, you know, just like, wow. That's awesome. And, and that was awesome because not only does he watch Chad and he watches these politicians, but he 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 doesn't look at, I mean, he, he sees some athletes you know, like J.J. Watts and a couple of those is, is um, inspiring people to look up to. But he also looks at political people that are running and what's going on in the country. He's While he's being a kid, because he still plays base, baseball, he plays football, he's in track. But he looks at political leaders, and this is what a lot of kids need to do, is they need to look at the political candidates that are local and see what they're doing, because that's our future right there. I mean... Yeah, that's who's going to be changing our bed sheets. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's right. I don't want a bunch of um, I don't know snowflakes that cry about everything, <laughs> trying to help me in a nursing home. And yeah. it, you know, I mean, that's that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are the kids that are going to be taking care of us when we grow old. Yeah, we need to make them a little tougher and get them involved in some things like that. But he is involved. It doesn't worry him, you know. I mean, he, he doesn't worry about things, but he watches and he uses political leaders as a influence to him so in a sense political leaders and political people running for campaign are an influence on some kids yeah and i don't know if they really realize that um the smart ones at least uh, yeah <laughs> the ones that get involved but i want my child you know I'm, not, I'm i let him have a mind of his own i let him listen i let him research i let him do all of the stuff i don't push conservative 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 on him or republican republican I want him to make those own decisions, but yeah. I want him to open his eyes and see it for the way it is. Yeah, and you know, that's important. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, watching watching the news um, at the time when I was younger. It was only CNN, unfortunately. Um, but you know, that was always on in my house because uh, that's what my mom cared about, and so I think that was a big influence on me. And uh, she actually, uh, well, now she's she switched over Biden broker. But she was a, uh, a Democrat for a very long time uh, and just got offended. She, she voted for Biden 20, but just became offended over Afghanistan, understandably, and mm-hmm. uh, just offended about a lot of other stuff. But, um, you know, I'm only the I'm going to be the third. Well, I was the third person, third Republican she's ever voted for and only second Republican yard sign uh, <laughs> she's ever had. And so, you know, to your point, um, I know why I'm a conservative, because I wasn't raised that way. That's something yeah. I came to. And so I can articulate, you know, why I'm a conservative. And that's better than people who are just raised Democrat or raised Republican and don't really know what they believe in. It's yeah. good to have your kid, you know, wh- whichever way they end up, you know, be thinking through the issues and come to their own conclusions. So Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think a lot of the social media stuff's, you know, social media is very evil in some aspects, but it's good in some because kids can learn from a lot of that stuff if they can just learn how to ruffle through all the BS yeah. uh, that goes on on social media. But there are some good things out there. 
Um, I see some candidates like, you know, um, Weston Martinez. He's running for our land commissioner. Yeah. Um, we, we did a podcast last week with him. But he, he gets out there and puts a lot of information out there and a lot of stuff that's going on with Alamo and what's mm-hmm. going on with Texas borders and what's, you know, and my son listens to some of that stuff. And so he not only getting educated about our history, but he's also getting educated about what's happening today. So maybe when he grows up, he can try to fix some of the things that haven't been fixed yet. And hopefully we'll get a lot of this stuff fixed. Yeah, well, you know, this Texas Senate, I mean, that is a very important job. I mean, yes. you got bigger districts than U.S. House members have. Yes. Uh, and, you know, and you have a lot more influence, um, you know, being, I think it's 31, one of 31 in the Texas Senate, you know, making policy for millions and millions of people in an amazing state. So it's an important job. I, you know, I hope he gets there because it sounds like he'd be a good fit for Well, it. he's trying. And I told him, you know, I said, well, I mean, you've got a, you've got a good head start because, I mean, your dad's in the gun industry. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm conservative. I believe in the right to breathe, the right to make medical choices. I, I believe in the right to, you know, own guns and own whatever the hell you want to believe, you know. And he, he's real, you know, I mean, I don't see why he couldn't get there because, I mean, he was raised to, yeah. to look out for other people. And, you know, what's in their best interest and make sure he upholds our Constitution. So he may get there. I mean, I just don't know what college I'm sending him to because they've all gone just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he asked me last night, what college you want me to go to online? <laughs> Maybe Hillsdale in Michigan. I think I think they got things uh, yeah. going the right direction yeah, still. I, said, I, I, I think you're going to be doing some online classes, son, because <laughs> we're not going to start indoctrinating you. Uh, he just kind of laughed. I mean, but he, I said, you think I'm kidding? Yeah. <laughs> um, we can still get him into a good college and get him a law degree and, and get him, you know, headed in that direction because he's a very smart kid. Um, I think he's a little bit above his, you know, average, but he's got a head, head on his shoulder. You got anything else you want to say to our viewers? Uh, well, I'm, I'm also endorsed by uh, the Freedom Alliance, mm-hmm. uh, Freedom League here in Abilene. Um, and, yeah, I think that's, for the most part, it um, about the campaign. Did you have some kind of self-defense questions or things like that? that well, you no, get? I don't want to get you into too much. I know you're a district attorney. Um, what we wanted, I wanted to kind of, I try to relate to a lot of people, especially I know we do a lot of training. Um, don't I try, I try to tell people so much, and they they have this um, this thing in their head that they could just go out and shoot somebody in the middle of the night, right. stealing their property. Right. And and we teach these people, you know, we teach our students, do not do that, do not do that, do not do that. There's such a big gray area mm-hmm. in that law. Yes, you have a right to protect your property, but do you have a right? to put yourself you you don't have a right to put yourself or anyone else in danger you you see what i'm saying there's that gray area of that law as long as you're not putting yourself or anyone else in an intimate harm going out of your house at night is kind of putting yourself in a in harm yeah you know they you know they'll have to read the penal code and it's pretty kind of black and Mm -hmm. white when you can use deadly force but you know one thing i will say and i'm not saying this as a prosecutor of course i'm just saying this as a um, a gun owner, you know, I'm an NRA lifetime member. Um, when people take the law into their own hands, when they don't have to take the law into their own hands, it makes the fight for gun rights that much harder, you know, because anti-gun people love it when someone with a gun screws up, 
you know yeah. they love it um, especially a, a normally law-abiding person you know they don't they don't focus on the criminals with guns who uh, take the law into their own hands and, co- and commit crimes but anytime there's a you know law-abiding person who seems like an NRA person that makes a, a bad decision and I think that's pretty rare but whenever they do you know they become the per- poster child for the media um, about why we need gun restrictions and so you know that's just something I keep in mind and I hope other gun owners keep in mind is you don't want to do your actions especially if your life isn't in danger or someone else's life isn't in danger um, or you know you're being kidnapped sexually assaulted or something like that you don't want to make the fight for gun rights harder because it's already hard enough yeah well let's take a quick break real quick roasted in Texas by Texans JM4 Tactical Coffee changing the way you start your day Now we're going to talk about a little bit about self-defense. Um, I use the Kyle Rittenhouse case a lot in our stuff. Um, you can't provoke somebody and use self-defense and claim self-defense. Um, that's why they tried so hard on saying that he was provoking uh, Rosenbaum because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rosenbaum attacked him. They never could prevent prove that rent house provoked him in the video i plainly seen rosen or, or rent house running from him so that to me that is him taking his choice doing the right thing trying to flee from the and de-escalate but being chased you kind of have no choice but to turn around and defend yourself once he defended himself then he moved on to receive help so he is still a victim and then the other two individuals and this is kind of where we get into third party is we tell people don't get involved in a third party incident unless you know from the beginning of what happened because now once the other two got involved Renthouse is still considered a victim because he had to use a use a gun in self-defense and now he has two other people attacking him he's still a victim because his first shooting was a victim am I correct or am I so, uh, and of course, I'm not talking to the prosecutor, just my understanding yes. of, the, of the law. Um, so I don't know what Wisconsin's is. But They're a lot like Texas. Okay, well, Texas is, if you start, um, and, and there's some situations you really can't, can't get out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, like say, um, say I come up to you and, you know, I, I punch you in the face. Um, I cannot then claim self-defense unless I completely withdraw from that attack and then, you know, you're you're kind of coming at me. Then I become the aggressor because you're kind of running away. Well, yeah, and of course it's, it's real messy whether you're the aggressor or whether you're just defending yourself. But, you know, I'm going to have to completely withdraw from that attack, say, either verbally or physically, be leaving or to turn around would be great, um, you know, before I can, you know, try to claim claim self-defense. And so, yeah, you do have to completely withdraw yourself from the attack if you're you're the aggressor. So, Well, I know there was a lot of people that were like, oh, well, he shouldn't have been there. Well, you know, I feel that he shouldn't have been there. My 17-year-old wouldn't have been there with it. But my feelings, his constitutional right doesn't end where my feelings begin. I mean, I don't believe he should have been there, but still, he had the right to be there. He wasn't doing anything above a Class C misdemeanor. I mean, he wasn't committing anything above a Class C misdemeanor. So, yes, he had a right to self-defense, but... um, 
I've never seen it. You know, we, we tried. I think they tried really hard to provoke. But we, we tell people, you also have to watch what you post on social media. You have to watch because they will use everything against you. I mean, hell, they tried to use four doors more whores mm. against this poor kid. Did you did you see that? I don't think I saw it that. It was his Instagram handle. I'm like, give me a break. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't like, think I saw he's that. a 17-year-old with an Instagram deal that says four doors more whores. You're really going to try to use that in a self in a, in a case to convict a 17 year old. Well, you know what, what was interesting to me, besides the legal aspect in that case, is usually the side that um, is pro prosecution was pro defense in this case, and vice versa. Usually, the side that was pro uh, defense was uh, you know pro prosecution, and so it's funny how. Uh, uh, you know, people switch alliances sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think people just need to be with, on the side with what, what's right is right. You know, regardless of the, yeah. the situation. You know, and so that that was interesting. And uh, I didn't follow all the Ren House trial. I followed it some, um, and I, I of course don't know Wisconsin law. But you know, from what I saw, I wasn't too surprised by the by the verdicts. Um, oh yeah, I, I believed he was one hundred percent innocent from day one. Um, we've stuck with him. We were like, you know, this office when they when they found him not guilty. Um, everybody in all these girls in this office started boohooing and crying and tears started running. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they were dedicated. I'm like, we watched this trial um, from the beginning to the end. Every hour, every day, it was on. You couldn't walk through this building without seeing it on a computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it was like we were just going from room to room to room to room. I mean, and, and watching this entire trial, and it was on people's phones, and they were listening to it because. We were invest. I mean, we had a lot of time invested into it, but I felt that the kid was guilt. I mean, was innocent from the day one because mm-hmm. of the fact that he wasn't guilty. They could never prove that he 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 broke any laws being there. So, yeah, I mean the uh, for sure. I mean the self defense. You know, because what's what's interesting about self defense, and it's not just self defense, but self defense is a big one. There's some defenses that the state has to disprove beyond a reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. and so you're really kind of adding to the def- the state's burden that it has already, where you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt someone did not need to act in self defense. And at least that's how it is in in Texas. Um, you know, I don't know what it is in Wisconsin. I imagine it's pretty pretty similar. Um, and you know, there were some people talking about how maybe. Self defense needs to be modified, or that burden no. needs to be modified, and that that scares me. Again, I'm not talking as a prosecutor; I'm just talking as a as a lawyer. That oh that, yeah, that, that scares that scares me. me. Yeah. Um, there was a um, there was there was a house member out of Dallas. She tried to get the stand your ground law completely wiped, mm. and I don't believe that should be wiped. I think that needs to stay in place. We have a right to stand our ground. You can't just let somebody run over you, even though we we teach de-escalation and walk away but there may be some times that you don't have a choice and you do you do need to stand your ground and that needs to be you know that law does never needs to go away but i know she wrote a bill trying to get it out and it was i was just i can't remember her name but she was a house representative in dallas oh interesting okay it was, it, so it was okay someone here yeah. in texas yeah and okay yeah she, she wrote that bill it didn't pass but yeah because I mean, we we have the right to stand your ground. Um, but, yeah, Kyle, it, that thing was, there's, you know, he, he needs to sue everybody that even, you know, said he was guilty mm-hmm. on public media. Even the people that called him a murderer afterwards. He definitely needs them. I think he's going after a lot of people, and he needs to sue them. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Um, you know, he... Um, there'll be kind of a question of whether you, he's a public figure or not, because it's hard to win those defamation cases if you're a public figure. 
Um, but, you know, whether you're a defendant or not, whether that makes you a public figure, you know, I don't know. That'll, that'll have to be sorted out. I imagine a lot of those people will end up, uh, my guess is they'll end up settling uh, some, yeah. of those, some of those companies. They'll have to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's cheaper to settle a lawsuit than it is to go all the way through it and hope that you win. Yeah, and you know, sometimes you're willing to just fight it out on on principle, um, yes. you know, and which you know I understand. And then sometimes it comes down to the to the bottom line. Uh, I had a torch professor who uh, in the law school who used to work for Home Depot, and they fought every single lawsuit out because their attitude was the more we fight out, the less we're going to have to deal with. And uh, they they found it to be pretty effective. You know, frivolous suits started uh, dropping um, against Home Depot at least when he was he was working for him. So. Because uh, you know the the uh, plaintiffs bar will will know if you're an easy target or not. You're just going to oh, say, yeah, big, big retail stores like that definitely, um, because there are a lot of you know a lot of fake lawsuits out there and a lot of people that just filing something just to file something because they need you know that payday for once. Yeah, you know um, it's uh um it's tough you know and I know that uh, you know plaintiffs attorneys aren't always uh, popular and I know it's it. Uh, they're easy targets, you know, when they're on TV, uh, you know, talking about being a Texas hammer <laughs> and all that. Uh, you know, the, the problem, though, is, is sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're injured, you know, through no fault of your own, you want someone who has enough money to take on a truck trucking company mm-hmm. or a, a business or someone with deep pockets. And so, you know, like most things in life, I think there's a, you know, it's kind of a middle ground on, on stuff. But at the same time, you know, you don't want businesses being driven out or doctors or anything like that. I mean, it's what we explain to um, also concealed carry or uh, carry people is that if you pull your gun, you use it, you're going to get sued. Somebody's going to sue you. <laughs> um, you, you know, it, it's not that thing of, you know, people you say, oh, dead people can't sue. Well, their family does. Mm-hmm. Their girlfriend does. Somebody will sue you. Um, USCCA, I actually recommend USCCA to all of our students because they actually pay the lawsuits. Mm. Um, they don't fight them. It's just cheaper to pay them out. They have, and they've had a couple of incidences where they've paid out some pretty good money, but the shooter was in the right. Mm. Everything was clean shoot. It's just one of the, 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 the bad guy had a baby's mama that needed child support and sued the homeowner. Mm-hmm. And it was just easier to write her a check for $75,000 than to go through, you know, and just settle it out of court. And that's what they did, and they paid it. There's been a couple of those lawsuits that have been filed um, against concealed carriers that have used their guns, and we definitely pushed that big time because mm-hmm. it will break somebody. Because we had one student one time that he shot someone that was drugged up and he ended up having to sell his house to settle out of court. Wow. Well, you know, something that... Because he, he didn't have insurance or me. He didn't have any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of anything that would help him cover that. So it was just cheaper to sell his house. Yeah, well, and, you, you know, something that um, is going to be interesting to see how it plays out is, you know, California, kind of like I thought they were going to do California, New, mm-hmm. New York. New York hasn't done it yet, but, you know, they're modeling an anti-gun bill off of, um, you know, the heartbeat bill where now you can, California wants to make it to where you can sue someone who, you know, helps someone buy uh, buy what they call an assault assault rifle. I call it a self-defense uh, weapon, but, you know, whatever they want to call it. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see how it plays out because you, you got to wonder if maybe uh, companies are going to stop selling in California or, um, you know, if manufacturers, if there are any left there, are going to go away. And so we'll have to see how that plays out. I would like to, I mean, 
If a drunk driver drives on the road and runs into somebody and hurts them seriously, you don't sue Ford. Mm. You don't sue the manufacturer of the grill. You don't sue the tire company, you know, to put the tires on it. You go after the individual driving the vehicle. And it's the same thing with a gun. You go after the individual that used, you know, I mean, if, if something bad, if somebody takes, you know, a bad guy takes a gun and does something, you know, bad with it, you blame that individual. You don't blame the gun. You don't blame the gun manufacturer. You don't blame the bullet manufacturer or whoever made the gunpowder or who made the primer. And I mean, that that's that's getting way out there. I mean, well, and you know, kind of a similar deal is um, there's a city in California that you now have to pay a. I think you have to have insurance, and I think you also have to pay a million a dollar fee. policy. Yeah. And don't you also have to pay a fee to the city to own a, I think own a gun? So. Um, I think it was a million dollar policy. You have to have a million dollar policy to, to have a gun. Yeah, and I think you actually have to pay some money too. Um, and you know, that's that's uh, that, that's interesting. To see what happens with that? That goes back to okay. Only rich people can have guns. Mm, yeah. Only rich people have the right to own a gun. When they start doing stuff like that, what people don't, what a normal hardworking person doesn't understand, or what they, what a lot of people don't understand, is it's kind of like the suppressor bill. I mean, not the suppressor bill, but the you know fully automatic. If you want to buy a fully automatic, you got to pay two hundred dollar tax stamp. That's the only tax stamp that hasn't gone up since like I think nineteen thirty something. Mm. Um, you can own a fully automatic gun. Yeah. You can own one. Question is, are you rich enough to own one? Right. <laughs> so, what gives them the right? A, a, a very wealthy person the right to be able to own a fully automatic gun, but not a poor person, just because they have more money. Yeah, you know the. Um, I, I'm sure you, you know these these laws too. You know, Heller really kind of drew a line in the sand um, in, in regards to you know a lot of uh, um, a lot of cities and states were making the Second Amendment you know mm-hmm. worthless just because you know you'd have to have your ammo separated from, yes. your, from your gun and have to be in separate rooms. You got to be locked up, and it's some yeah. of them Californians. You know, it's got to be I don't know at the neighbor's house in a locked box, and your springs got to be over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and Heller struck it down for the federal government for DC. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you had McDonald versus City of Chicago struck it down for cities and states. Yeah. But there's still, you know, like you're hinting at, you know, there's a big gray area still where states and cities have a lot of room to still regulate. And it really just kind of comes down to where we're talking about local elections and state elections mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, that stuff is where, you know, those are the places where that kind of stuff gets decided. So, Well, that's definitely, I mean, we need to make, you know, we need to make guns affordable for, for everyone uh, to be able to afford because everybody has the right to Second Amendment. Everybody has the right to... Um, to protect themselves and protect their family um they don't need to start acting like california where you have to have million dollar policies and you have to you know you have to have all this stuff where people can't just afford it and then it's just like well do i have a million dollar policy or do i put food on my table mm, yeah um it's kind of i mean it's yeah it's you know it seems like some places um kind of price people out of the constitutional rights sometimes they do and that's their plan is price only the rich will have it and i mean the very rich i can't afford a fully automatic gun Mm. i would like to have one just to say i have one but i mean if you buy one i mean and you got to get the license the license is only 200 but i mean you're talking about twenty five thousand dollars. wow wow you know they're they're about 25 to thirty thousand dollars if you want to buy one but then you you're talking about paying $200 for the tax stamp. And it's the same thing with suppressors, putting a can. You have to have a tax stamp for every suppressor you buy. Wow. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't own any uh, any automatic weapons, but I know it's very, very nuanced. And people will call me with questions trying to understand, yeah. you know, what the law is. So. Well, I know that they were, I know there was a bill written that they wanted to put a tax stamp on every gun you own. Wow. And I was sitting there going, people can't afford that. Or, never, or no, it wasn't, wasn't every gun, it was every magazine. Oh, wow. every gun and every magazine is what it was. A $200 tax stamp on every gun in every magazine of course it didn't pass but that's what it was because i was sitting there adding this stuff up and i was like they can go to hell <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna pay that much money you know i mean that's a lot of damn money and there's a lot of people out there going wow i mean so every magazine you own you own you would have that's over 10 rounds would be a 200 dollars tax stamp and every gun you own would be a $200 tax stamp. And it's just like, you start adding that stuff. Wow. That is outrageous. That is outrageous. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about some people would be, you know, thousands yeah. into it. I'm not saying I would be a thousands into it, <laughs> but some people would be a thousands, thousands of dollars into it. And your average person that owned, you know, say they owned one AR and owned five mags, it's a tax stamp. Yeah. Well, you know, something that uh, was interesting um, during during COVID and I think kind of just during the uh, unrest that was going mm-hmm. on in uh, December of 20, you know, the amount of gun owners, you know, started going way up. Oh, yes. And uh, something uh, even more interesting and, and, you know, encouraging the gun owners and um, is that we're diversifying, you know, who owns guns. You know, more women were were buying guns and more people of color were buying guns. And, you know, kind of something what you're talking about, constitutional rights are for everybody, yes. whether you're rich, whether you're poor, no matter your gender, no matter uh, your race, religion. And so, you know, I, I think gun owners uh, should be encouraged to see that the base of gun ownership is expanding because it makes it a lot harder for politicians to, you know, limit gun rights if you have a diverse coalition of citizens around the country. So we we've seen a huge increase on women buying holsters from us. Mm. Been massive. Interesting. I mean, used to be like one out of every ten orders. You know, now it's like four or five out of every ten. So I mean, it, it's been a it's been a massive increase of women buying guns from us. So you, you're seeing that that I mean not buying guns standing. but buying holsters yeah, yeah buying holsters online yeah I mean it, it's been it, yeah we've seen it it's it's been past probably year and a half it's just and it keeps going up so there's a lot of women getting out there there's a lot of women carrying there's a lot of women wanting to protect their family wanting to get involved in what's going on and, and being able to have a gun in their house and safely know how to use it so we've seen a huge increase in that. Well, and I imagine that's only going to increase given, you know, that violent crime. Yeah. yeah, violent crime's going up around the country, especially in cities. Um, so, you know, yeah. I, I imagine business is going to be looking good for you for a long time. So, <laughs> <laughs> We just got to keep the right people in office. I mean, because I, I tell that all the time is you've got to really research who you vote on. Um, we do a lot of research when we put out, you know, when we recommend people or we put out social media posts and we – because I want, you know, everybody knows I'm a big 2A person. I believe in the Second Amendment, believe in constitutional rights. Um, I want my grandkids to know the same freedoms I have today. Mm, yeah. And that's, you know, and, and that's what our, if we don't do something, then all we're doing is hurting our, our grandchildren in the future mm. is because we've got to put the right people in office. Yeah. You know, elections, uh, elections really do. 
uh, do matter. Um, you know, I, I, I'm remiss to quote Barack Obama, but, you know, he was right when he said elections have uh, have consequences. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, especially local and local and state and, you know, primary elections, you know, like we're having today, you know, have have consequences. So. And, and it amazes me about the amount of people that do not understand a primary election. Mm. It, it's crazy. They think that it's splitting the vote. Well, you're not splitting the vote. Right. <laughs> There's a amount. I mean, we get that all the time when I get on there, I do something over chat or, or something. All we're doing is splitting the vote. How do you figure we're splitting the vote? We're not splitting the vote. We're not, you know, Beto's going to win because we're splitting the vote. We're not splitting the vote. Right. Picking a nominee to take on Beto, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we're yeah. picking somebody to take on Beto. Yeah. I mean, so, but the amount of comments, it's like, do you not understand how the primaries work? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and... Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I hope uh, I hope people you know get out and exercise their, their right to vote and you know today and in November and into the future. So well, I appreciate you coming on and I've, you've had my vote. Me and my wife, we voted on you. Thank you. Um, we did. We we had your back. We did early voting. Um, we we got out of here, but we we've had your back and we definitely voted on you. Thank you, Chad. All I really right. appreciate that. Well, appreciate you, brother. And you have a good day. You too. Thank you. 